I'm Drew Holmes. When I started learning to make music, I thought that the only way to have a career in the industry was as a performer. I could not have been more wrong. In more than 25 years in the music business, I've done many non-performing jobs from orchestra librarian to music store owner. But my experience is just the tip of the iceberg. I'm on a mission to explore the exciting and necessary jobs that make performances possible. Come with me as we go Beyond the Stage. One of the things that, that I didn't talk because it really goes the wrong direction in a conversation that we're, and this is very affirmative on what we're talking about now. For somebody to, my own daughter was caught in a thing that uh, I'll relate, and it happened to be uh, she was going to start on a um, flute yeah, and be a flute player. So she went to the flute lesson and the first day it happened to be in this town, as a matter of fact. The teacher taught her, he said to her, uh, you'll never be able to play flute, you might as well give it up. And why would he say that? He was, I don't know, I, I wanted to cut his head off during <laughs> that. But I, I've tried to control myself somewhat, but on the other hand, uh, why would he say that? If that was not the right instrument, why didn't he pick out another one for her? Yeah, instead of framing it as a negative, you, you come Absolutely. back and make it a positive. Absolutely. And I've, one of the, the teachers in Fort Collins uh, that I admired her teaching style in this, because um, there, there are teachers out there who will recruit a middle school class to fill out an instrumentation. And I, 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 misguided, I think, is the word for it, because if a kid's showing interest and aptitude in something, then they should be able to do it. Yes. Now, you know, like, for example, you know, my teeth aren't perfectly straight, but I can play trumpet pretty well. Yep. If someone had applied that standard when I first wanted to play trumpet, who knows where I would have ended up. That's right. And so uh, this teacher I'm thinking of, she had a kid who insisted on playing bassoon. That was all this kid wanted to do. And she told the kid, said, all right, well, you're going to have to get lessons. You have to do this, this, this. And that kid thrived in it and you know, made it through the program and all that. And, and her comment was, you know, if I've got a kid who is interested and passionate about it, my job is to figure out how to make that work. You know, you, she was saying her job isn't to then you know make that kid play a different instrument because you know that that's not what we do. It's like no, right. we, we're going to adapt to that because who knows where it could lead. It's so I, I, I like this again goes back to the inclusive nature of it and a teacher who's willing to go the extra mile can make all the difference. There are some there are some tests that have been run. Um, excuse me. <laughs> sliding out of here, old man. Uh, I was in uh, uh, the east part of the country and we were doing some things with starting people. And the test that was being given was very different than anything that I had ever seen. Uh, Khan had those kind of things. They had beginning things that you could do to, to avenue those people and the sounds of the whole bit were involved in this very, uh, very simple test. Uh, this particular test, though, was one where you could go in and you're, you could go from one table to the next, and each time that you went there, a new, a new teacher would be there, and you'd, you would try to play a beginning instrument, like a clarinet, a flute, uh, uh, drums, mm -hmm. all the way around, every instrument that, that they had. And by the time you got there, uh, you're marking in there uh, whether you could play that right off or whether you couldn't. The, greatest thing that I heard little kids say, and they, these are kids like fourth graders, I think, that were being given the test, 
Uh, and the whole class, we put the whole class through that group, and I watched, and we, there were like seven or eight teachers that were actually did this for that particular school. Each one of them were testing. On the other hand, at the end of it, they said, oh, we got all five. You could play anything. Uh -huh. Some of these kids couldn't make a sound on a flute or this sure. or that or whatever, and so that was vacant. And at the end of this thing, and they all had this in their hand as they walked out of the room one hour later. Uh, that's a big step. Yeah. I, it was fantastic. I wish I had really filmed this whole at that time. but. Uh, and that's a version of what I've seen. Uh, I. I like it being used as an inclusionary tool, not an exclusionary tool. Yes. So saying that a kid can't immediately make a sound on a flute doesn't preclude them from being a flute player. Absolutely. It just means they might have to work a little bit harder to do it. That's right. The only exception I've ever seen to that rule, there was a little girl I was helping one night at an instrument tryout, and she didn't. She uh, was born without a left hand. So she only had a right hand. So I'm looking, I'm doing the math in my head quickly. Well, let's see if you could do it. What instrument does she need to play if she's going to be in band then? Yeah. Trumpet. I mean, trumpet is it. That's right. I mean, maybe euphonium. So yes. And so I was working the trumpet station, and I made damn sure she could get a good sound on the trumpet because yes. I wanted her to have the opportunity to participate in the band. Fantastic. And so you know, barring a physical limitation, a true physical limitation, to me it's just, you know, well, it's, it goes to the difference between a talent and a skill. Um, a, a skill is something that you develop the um, you know, facility to do, and a talent is the innate ability to do it, which means talent affects how fast you can learn a skill. They are completely different things. Yes. So music making is a skill, and you might have a natural talent to it. I talk about my sister is one of the most gifted musicians naturally I've ever met in my life, hasn't done you know, anything with it as far as that goes. But the talent is always there, and if you then you know, put in the work and make the commitment to do it, you develop the skill and you can go on, that's right. on in that direction. So that, that's where I come at it from when we're you know, helping kids to decide what instrument to play, not getting caught up in, oh, there wasn't immediate success with this, they're not talented at it. Well, it doesn't matter. Are they willing to put in the work? You know, are they, yeah. Do they have the passion for it? Are they <clears throat> feeling like this is where they're going to find their voice? If the answer is yes, they're going to put it, they're going to do it. They're going to have success. From uh, what what we'll do is final this by telling you the rest of the con thing. Oh yeah, yeah, please. And at that point where I made some changes, primarily because the company changed hands seven times in 27 years that I was with that company. Each time they changed, I'd been told by many of the books and people, you need to make a change within your own group and go to a different place rather than stick where you're here because sure. you're going to learn 75% of what you know in that first maybe two or three years. And after that, that the other 25% is going to take you know too many years for that what you're doing. So I'd make changes. But then I was very lucky. Uh, I became director of educator services. Uh, at that point, they wanted me to go to all those schools, wanted me to go to the methods classes and do those things and set up other clinicians. And I, I had a group of clinicians that would go in and do a bang up job, whether it was on strings or, and you know, from uh, the one who wrote the, uh, the very first string book, you know, <laughs> a good example. But these people were, uh, I, I had learned from them. And 
Uh, we went to Greeley one time. We had five teachers teaching a class of people, and we put them on different instruments to what they played. I mean, teachers. Yeah. We put them on a cello or a bass or something else if they played violin. And at the end of the week, they they did a concert that quick. So what they were doing was trading back and forth. Uh, I don't think that that's a, a major thing, but I do think that that's part of it. But uh, after that, uh, I found a lot of irregular things happening from company to company, uh, as far as the summer company compared to the con company and so on. And many of those people were very fine, fine folks that were doing those, those jobs. But on the other hand, uh, I think after that, I, uh, I stopped going to the schools. It's very tiring, and, and I was, it was hard labor. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. But I met a lot of folks. I met at that time, I met all of the band directors from all over the country, and that was very important for the company, too. Uh, on the, but uh, then I went from that to uh, a sales manager, uh, a field sales manager. My responsibility at that time was to be their boss, uh, 18 district managers. And uh, suddenly, my uh, the amount of money I supported the company with from, as a district manager multiplied by 18 came to a lot of money. And, <laughs> that was suddenly not exactly an exciting place to be, but I learned quite a bit in the first four or five years I was involved in that. Oh, sure. Uh, and I, I did some traveling, but most of this was one-on-one. -on -one. We don't do anything in groups. Uh, I found out during that time that to have 15 people around a table is nonsense if it's longer than 15 to 25 percent. I mean, minutes. Yeah. Uh, if it's longer than that, we've wasted a lot of time because one person will get up from that table being, this is singular. Uh, reasoning power is singular with one, two, three of us sitting here and each of us are, are thinking our own thoughts. Mm -hmm. However, when it gels, and this is what we don't have in the United States today is enough gelling, I, I feel. Uh, but I, you have to understand that you can be the leader of yourself. Well, and for comparison's sake, we're bringing it back to music performance. Yes. Um, I love quintet playing. And I think that that is some of the most rewarding and challenging kind of playing to do because it's a big enough ensemble that you know, it's interesting, but it's small enough that it's hard. There's, yeah. there's nowhere to hide. So you're, you're the only one on your part. You have to cover it perfectly. You have to listen across. You have to play with, you know, with taste, with Very musicianship. Good, yes. You have to stay in tune. It's some of the most challenging because you get bigger than a quintet, you've got somewhere to hide. You're right. And any smaller than that, it's it, it's not quite the same amount yeah, of teamwork. It is teamwork. the hardest music to play in the world. I, and I love it. It's it's really my favorite, um, but for for those reasons. That's when I first met Harvey Phillips. He was playing in this New York uh, uh, quintet, brass quintet, and during that time. Uh, I couldn't believe that any tuba player could play that high and low and all over the place. And it, that much. <laughs> you know, that, Unbelievable. That, that's the part that, that just kills me with quintet. I mean, you, you think you know, playing military band stuff is hard. You play at a quintet. It's, it's just constant. Harvey would get mad at me. He's the one that told me lots of times. He said, you quit playing. You shouldn't be. You ought to be playing tuba, at least. You know. <laughs> I said, how do you do that? I, I don't teach in a college like you do. 
Uh, he was a great uh, part of my life, Harvey Jones was. Uh, later, uh, with the uh, different groups that got together with all, all brass, uh, Harvey was always there. So, multiple changes in uh, corporate structure, 27 years later, what happened after that? Those years uh, came and went, and uh, I, after being the sales manager, and I enjoyed that a lot, uh, but then I went uh, actually to moving, and it, things started to really get fractured within the company, and I didn't see much of an end to it. Uh, yeah. There was not a point at that place where I could walk in, sit down with a group of people that would talk like you and I have talked today about what do we do to make this thing better and uh, what are we doing to make it worse. Uh, those things were not being done at that time. Shortly after that, I thought it was going to bankrupt totally. It just sold out. And uh, I actually made an offer with a group of uh, dealers to buy the con company. Yeah. But uh, I got beat by uh, Dan Hankin. Yeah. Danny offered me the whole company, but he wouldn't let me go back to the back. I, and without going in back there to change the company, I couldn't have done a thing about it, <laughs> you know, because that's where the big problem was. Everything was coming across yeah. wrong. And, but uh, it was falling apart. Uh, and I, 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 at that time, decided, well, I want to get back to Colorado. I want to live there. And uh, we did. I actually traveled out of Colorado Springs many of those years, but we did move to Chicago when the company was Congress there, and I, that was when I was a sales manager uh -huh. for the company, too. Uh, it wasn't the, the people of Illinois. They were great people. And oh, sure. schools, the whole bit, but uh, I did want to be back in Colorado. So we moved here, and my we've been in the same house in Colorado Springs all these years, for about 40-some years right now. But I've traveled a, a lot, probably too much for a family. <laughs> well, and, and when I first met you, you were uh, working for the Getzen Company. That's right. And that's a, a brand near and dear to my heart because the trumpet that I got when I was 14 and still have... Glad you brought it up. ...is a Getzen Eterna. I mean, that's, that's just been such a great horn for me. That horn, uh, we got those two models out now that are very similar. Uh -huh. That one is exactly the same. And... Uh, to me, uh, the Getson people, all those years, I, I just love that family. They, they, uh, uh, the brothers uh, that were owners of these companies, I tried to get them together for lunches and things at the NAMM show, and I couldn't get them together ever. They didn't work together as a group. Uh, but uh, their dad had given them each, and I was told by one of them, uh, it gave him when he sold the company the first time, the Gesson Company, uh -huh. uh, he gave them $5,000 a piece and said, you're on your own, and that was the last. <laughs> and evidently, they were still on their own pretty well, but they were good buddies and friends, they were good brothers, but I couldn't get them to eat sitting down together very often. Yeah. But uh, Gesson Company, to me, has uh, built probably a more a factory that is very set on being remarkably great. Mm -hmm. They don't want to do anything else. They don't build any of the student grade instruments because they said we can't do it cheap enough to really uh, go well, against what we've had in the past or whatever. But they still are, are pretty. And, far and that's you know that, that's the big challenge as a manufacturer of something like that yeah. is how do you compete with labor that is that significantly less expensive. 
right now they're working at about half what they did uh, three or four years ago. Uh -huh. And they were, they're under the restraints from the, the state restraints and all the national restraints and different things. But they are building, they're still behind. Uh, we've got stuff pre-sold for three years from now. Yeah. And that's too bad. Uh, not many companies in the United States that actually are here and have. Uh, it's very hard to get an engineer. Well, and at, at one point, um, when my folks were visiting, my, my father was a florist and then he sold ribbons, so he makes the most wonderful bows. And uh, my folks were out visiting at one point, and I don't remember how we got in the conversation, but Dad was asking how much of the stuff's made in America. And I, of course, could point to the Getson stuff, no problem. So what, what he did is he got rolls of red, white, and blue ribbon and made bows. And so for a while, I made sure I had those bows on everything that was made in the U.S. Fantastic. And um, there weren't nearly enough bows out there, but you know, just to highlight because that. that's one of the things I like. To do, to make <laughs> but there was, there, and, and that also partially came about. I had customers that would ask me that they only wanted to buy stuff that was American, and I mean that, that's not a guarantee of quality. But at the same time, if you like right now, for example, if you're trying to import stuff, that's right. That's a challenge. Let's take a quick timeout to hear from our sponsors. Beyond the Stage is proudly sponsored by Boomer Music Company, Northern Colorado's band and orchestra experts since 1976. If you need instrument rentals, repairs, sheet music, or accessories, Boomer Music has you covered. Come to our Fort Collins showroom or visit us online at www.boomermusiccompany.com. Thepodcastingstore.com is your one-stop shop for all things podcasting and remote learning and a proud sponsor of Beyond the Stage. Whether you're a novice remote teacher or a veteran podcaster, we have the gear and the knowledge to take your content to the next level to better engage your audience. Check us out at www.thepodcastingstore.com and see what solutions we have for you. Now, let's continue our journey beyond the stage. See, before, when, uh, when the, the con company, or the, actually LeBlanc would be a better example. I worked for them for about 12 years. And Vito was a very hard guy, they said, to work for, not for me. He was the best. I couldn't believe. Well, what, what were the rumors did. you had heard? Why, why did people think he was hard to work for? Uh, he yelled a bit, but he also wanted it to be exact. And he did. He built that uh, Vito clarinet that probably as a student grade instrument. I, I never saw anything better than that Vito clarinet. Well, and they're, they're still around. Oh, yes. I mean, it, what, what, what's the model, the 7212? Yeah. And uh, they're indestructible. They are, and they're also, they're in a straight line that comes down that the, the top section on a clarinet. They come directly down on the holes. They don't go sideways like all the rest of them and see that pad where sideways. That's uh -huh. why he made it in a full line on the top section of the clarinet. Well, and I watch way too much reality TV, and, but uh, what you described with Vito reminds me of Gordon Ramsay. The, uh, the chef that, you know, he, you know, people... Perfection. Well, that's just it, is that I think they misunderstand him. They think that he's, you know, just a, a raging jerk. It's like, no, it, yeah. th that's not it at all. Because I've seen some of his shows where he uh, works with kids, yeah. and it's tailored beautifully to where they're at and what they need to encourage them. His standards go up as the expectations go up. And so if someone's a professional chef and wants to, you know, run one of his restaurants, the standards are going to be his own. Yeah. And nothing less. And anything less than that is frustrating. So I, I get where he's coming from completely that 
the standards he there was, for a reason. You know, he was the uh, person that repaired all the instruments for that band in the Second World War. Uh, he was with the, uh, not the Philip, John Philip Sousa was the first war, but uh -huh. uh, the other war, uh, that was, uh, what was the name of the band? Anyway, uh, Vita was the uh, repair person for that band, and he played uh, fourth, fourth uh, trumpet uh -huh. in that band. He said, even, and I'm not a musician, I'm just a perfectionist. <laughs> well, and I, I go all over the map. Yeah. They, they say, you know, baseball's an exercise in failure. I mean, a successful baseball player, you know, succeeds a third of the time. Try doing that as a musician. No. You know, if you get one out of every three notes right, I mean, you're going to be unemployed. I would love to play tuba again, but I got no chops and I won't do as well as I <laughs> used to, so I'm not going to. Yeah. That's the way it goes. So what are you up to these days? Uh, getting rid of a lot of stock. <laughs> Yes, the, the, the mythical warehouse. We, we've all yeah. heard uh, My, stories about the it. The other thing that uh, that I haven't told you is about the string business, if you want to take another couple of minutes. Of course, of course, as, uh, long, as, string, as long as we got. The string thing for me was I started selling Roth violins in retail with Bernie May and uh, never got off of that kick. Uh, everything that happened back then was for the best also. Uh, the old man, when I, they hired me in, the first thing I did was go up to Montana, and I was selling Roth also, and I knew the fiddles pretty well. Uh, then Heinrich called my boss and said, you're going to have to fire Harold. He's not going to work out. And I uh, said, what's wrong? He called me the same day. He said, what's wrong? And I said, well, I canceled one of the dealers that he thought was doing pretty well, but the guy up there in the top of Montana only got one bid a year, and it was the one, and the, the guy down in the other city about 100 miles away had a whole stock all the time, and he never got the bids because the other guy cut him down, so I canceled the other guy. Yep. And Take care of the people who take care of you. So suddenly I was a little more beloved than before. Well, and that's a thing that I think people outside of retail don't understand with something like that yes. is not only were you protecting that dealer who I'm knowing you, of course, a job. became a friend, sure. but also you're, you're keeping the other dealer from devaluing the brand. That's right. Because you know its worth. Why cut it down? And, yeah. And so, and someone who's stocking and representing it consistently throughout the year also knows the value in the brand and is going to represent that in the way that you want them to. I've also done a, another thing that I'm very proud of, and that's uh, we've given a lot of instruments away over the years. Yes, you have. And uh, those are for little kids that can't afford lunch or breakfast mm -hmm. many times. And I'm so proud that we got to some of those people. I don't know how many people stuck it out. Uh, as an example, Las Vegas, New Mexico was one of the towns. We put 340 kids together in a band. Little kids were marching down the street three months later. And uh, uh, Romero, one of the Romero family kids that had retired, we brought him back in, and he actually was a wonderful teacher. And we, we picked out the kids that didn't have money, and we gave them an instrument and said this, we're not giving to the school, we're giving it to you. Yeah. Uh, today, everything fell apart, of course, with yeah. the last two or three years. but. Uh, we started 340 little kids on musical instruments. Uh, the Romero family themselves, there were three brothers, 
uh, to start and then their children. They had nine educators in the state of New Mexico, all at one time, superintendents of schools, principals, whatever, but they all had gone through uh, that college there in Las Vegas. And they put 1,500 kids through college on musical scholarships that are doctors, lawyers, everything sure. in life. Uh, what a commitment for a family. But they all believed in it. And they were, uh, they're, they're all pretty, of course, the older guys are gone. Yeah. But uh, their, their kids are just the same. But it was really good while it was happening. I went to Las Vegas a while back, and uh, no bad. Oof. Shame. Just like that. And, of course, you know, they haven't opened the schools. Right, well. And they're taking the money to tear down big brick buildings that they have left. You know, I yeah. don't understand why they would tear them down, even, you know, spend the money to do that. But. But we're, we're kind of on a sad track right now. Well, I, I'm hopeful that it's turning around, that, that the, the value in the activity and the value in the community that it helps to build is very evident. Drew, I'm going to tell you something, and I'll do it on this right now. Uh, what you've done is what needs to be done all over the United States. You've really gotten into that store, and you've made a, a beautiful store, number one. You've got great repair people, and you're you're making other great. great I mean, you're helping people learn to do a lot of things yeah. in your business. That's wonderful what you're doing. If that was happening in a, a few more places in each state, we would we wouldn't have to worry about the arts anymore. But the arts, it's not just music. Uh, right now, between the big fights with the unions and the between superintendents of schools and all the different things they're going through, none of us have a control factor at all in any of these schools right at the moment. It's, uh, it's not closure time, it's opening time. Mm -hmm. But we're, we've got some drawbacks and we've got national drawbacks right now. I really like your store, but I like it better because what you're doing is exactly what we have to do in order to have music. Where are they going to Right now, we had a big fire up there. Yeah, a thousand yeah, houses just, just a went few weeks down. Ago, yeah. I just got a name from the leader of this group here, and he said uh, he wants to talk to you because you've got instruments, and they don't have any now because a lot of them got burned in the fire. Yes, they did. I meant to mention that to you before, and that's that's something that uh, they could use some help with right now. And if they have funds, good. If they don't. One, one way or the other, yeah, we got to help the kids too. Well, there's a solution to be had. We just need to yes. identify the problem and, and approach right. it, you know, that's right. methodically and, and figure out how, what's the goal? Getting if instruments they, in the hands of kids. If there's any way, if you run out of anything where you need what I have, you're yeah. sure welcome to them too. But I always say that, you know, our overarching mission, and I mean, we're not a nonprofit organization, but you can no. still have a mission. You have is, to. Is to help people learn to love music by making music. Absolutely. And whatever accomplishes that goal is what we need to be doing. To be a great musician, you're the same thing. You're making money. The more you are, the more popular you are, the more money you're supposed to be making. Uh, that's good. Whatever it is, that's the American way. But we need to be helping those young people and their families. Uh, we, that's going to be a gap. I mean, a little kid that got his clarinet burned. Yeah. Where are they going to get the money to start with? It's getting tough. Uh, I'm glad that came up because I meant to talk to you about it before. And, yeah. Well, but, and, and but I've got a lot of stuff left, and that's what I'm. I'm just dumping a lot of the things sure. that I have. Uh, 
But yeah, to, to speak to what you're talking about with what I, I'm trying to do with the store, I mean, the way that I look at it is that, I mean, I've done so many different things in so many different areas. This is the thing that kind of puts them all together. And mm -hmm. I've been shown such great love and kindness from so many people along the way Me too. in every different way that I could never possibly pay Absolutely. any of it back. And this is how I do that, is by doing the next thing. I, mean, I Basically, I, I left for college when I was 18 and never went back, but I, I do get to see my folks every now and then. And I, years ago, I talked with my dad about that and said that, you know, kind of one of the regrets and all the things that I've got to go and do is that I don't get to, s to see him and to spend time with him. And, you know, he said that he would never want me to have traded the things that I've done and I'm going to do for that's that. Right. That, right. you know, that's his job is to, you know, prepare me to, to be able to go out Open and do that. Open that door. Stuff. Yeah. And so that's... Uh, that's, you know, again, the way that I kind of pay back everything that he's done for me. And, and I totally agree with him. I mean, the, the phrase pay it forward gets used yeah. just, just kind of blithely, but, uh, but that's what it is. That's what it has to be. And it's, here again, this is singular. You're one person doing this. You, you have this in your mind, and you're doing it, and you said it, and you're, you got the right people. And if you don't, you change it, you make it, you make it happen. Uh, that's called stepping right up to where we need to go. Well, here's the secret, though. If you do it right, the right people find you. Oh, yes. And, and you become magnetic to them. That's true. And just by having a vision and a goal and a plan, then the, the rest of it just, I hate to say, takes care of itself, but That's it, right. it's a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. Well, anything else that you wanted to share, Harold? I don't mean to, to monopolize your whole afternoon, no, but I've been not, wanting no, to, to sit fact, down and talk to you. I'm glad I... You're the only reason I came back out. Oh. Right here. I mean it. Uh, one other person, and that's the, they're at 1500 South Broadway in Denver, Colorado, and he's in the, he's in the uh, business of harps these days, most of the time. Yes, but uh, Kalasny, that, yeah. that was one of my favorite companies in the world, was the Kalasny Company all those years. They had in their minds exactly what we've been talking about from their grandfather to the father and and now to this one. Uh, he, this guy, he's barely moving his legs right now, but he's been secretary, treasurer of the National International Harp Society, he's yeah. been all of those things, and he's had that one thing in mind. Right now he's got probably uh, three or four hundred, I don't know how many on rent in, in Colorado primarily. Last time I heard, he had over 300 uh, uh, rented harps yeah. in, out of his store, which is remarkable. But they want him to come to Wyoming. They want him to come to all the places. Nobody's working on harps. No. Except him. I mean, he could he could work all 24 hours a day and never get done. Well, and I, I think there's a fear of being in a niche, and uh, to me, I think there's there should be a greater fear of not being in one, yes. because how else do you differentiate yourself, and how do you you know really do something exceptional? But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, if if I need harp, I mean Dave's the guy. He he is the list. So that well, much like if I need something, I don't want to say oddball, but something a little out of the ordinary or unique. I mean, I call you, yeah, because you. If you don't have it, you certainly know what it is well, or where to get it. Well, go look for it. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, writing down the stuff and referring to it uh, was taught to me by Mr. Bernie May. He actually 
wanted us to uh, do our own stuff. Yeah. But we need we need to follow up once it may be a while before you get that follow up. You're very good at it. I and it just must have been trained to you when you were a lot younger than you are now. Well, again, learned a lot of this kind of stuff from my dad, even when I didn't realize I was learning it from yeah, that's him. That's right. Did you argue sometimes? Not as much as you'd think, um, but yeah, I think I've told you my dad was a uh, road salesman, and he yeah. sold ribbon, yeah. and uh, his territory ran from about Hartford to about Canada. Wow. And, um, yeah, he just, the, the thought processes that he put into it and the, the way he approached it, I mean, I, I learned without knowing I was learning, you know? Uh, I'm trying not to be uh, involved in uh, the mechanics of the United States. I understand that since we think singly, it takes each of us to vote or do this or do that or whatever to make changes. There's so many powers, though, that are looking for control of lives and people that we have in our country today. We still have a semblance of um, being able to make our own decisions following the schematic that was set up for us. Mm -hmm. Those things are the things I worry about for my children because I think things are changing a bit too fast right now. Yeah, and thing, things have changed. I mean, just even look at what we're doing right here, right now. Oh, yes. I mean, this, this sort of recording, broadcast, all this, this shouldn't have happened for at least another decade. Yes. But this is the good that's come out of the bad that we've that's gone true. through. Uh, I would, in that first group of, of NAM people, uh, we'll have to get Don to come see you. And he, he called me, and the, the president of NAM called my house the other day too. And it was just, it just thrilled me that people would remember, uh, not me necessarily, but the positioning and what took place back then. Yeah. They're looking for history, so that they can resell music education, right now. They want that bad, yeah. right now. Uh, Dan, the guy that runs that thing, he interviewed, as we're doing here, he interviewed me about 35 years ago, and I'm on that group in. And when you get a chance, uh, look it up and you'll hear me on, on the other side. Well, but it was great to hear from him. Thank you. That seems like probably the right place to uh, it is just to stop there, Harold. So, yeah. Harold Stone, thank you so much for joining us here at the uh, Colorado Music Educators Association conference, and um, just just been a delight to talk with you. So, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Stage. If you have ideas for future episodes or work in a non-performing role in the music industry and would like to tell your story, please contact me at drew at boomermusiccompany.com. I'm Drew Holmes. Thank you for listening as we explore careers in music beyond the stage.